What up? What up, everybody? Welcome back to the Showtime Forum podcast, talking all things purple and gold. I'm your host, Chris Camello, joined as always by my esteemed co-host and Showtime Forum contributor, Mr. Chaz Pearson. What up, what up, Laker Nation? Got another good one for all you Laker fans today. The 17-time NBA champion, Los Angeles Lakers. Are the Lakers ready to repeat? What are the pros and cons of their new additions? How do they round out the roster? And should they be considered the favorites again this upcoming season? We're breaking that all down and more on this edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. But before we do, be sure to follow us on all social media and streaming platforms at Showtime Forum. That's at Showtime Forum. You can also follow us on our website, theshowtimeforum.com. That's the T-H-E, showtimeform.com. <laughs> Jazz, I guess yes. the best way to start off this show would be the Denzel clap from training day. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, without <laughs> getting too excited, I don't, I don't want to just come on here and just declare that it's over and all the memes and this and that, but what a hell of a week we've had as Laker fans. What a hell of a week it's been. Yes, sir. It, it, from the time that Dennis Schroeder was traded uh, for Danny Green and the 28th pick in this past week's NBA draft, there have been move after move after move made by the wizard who is Rob Palenka. And Rob, Rob we trust. You coined that phrase on last week's show, my friend, and you were right. And Rob, we trust. Rob has done an amazing job. If he didn't get the executive of the year last year or this past season, he's definitely at the front of the line to do, uh, to receive that award, I should say, and continue to make this team great. This team was already great, but mm-hmm. even it's, there's levels to this, right? There's, there's all time great. There's, you know, championship great. There, there's good. There's, you know, temporarily great for just one year. Yeah. Um, Rob sees the window and he's going for it. And I love the moves that were made. So tell us what, happened in this past week, Chris? Yeah, well, first of all, it was a stark contrast from what we saw in last year's offseason. There was a couple of small moves, then the AD trade, which was obviously monumental, and then there was a lot of waiting after that because the Lakers felt we have an opportunity to add a third superstar to this nucleus of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So while they were waiting, while they were recruiting, while they were trying to woo the claw, Uh, out of Toronto and over to L.A., uh, they missed out on a lot of good quality free agents. The J.J. Reddicks, the the Seth Currys, the, you know, a lot of, I mean, those are just to name a few, but a lot of, uh, a lot of really good role players who ended up probably getting more money in more years than they would have gotten from the Lakers. But still, that was the downside of waiting around was the fact that you missed out on a lot of good opportunities and you were basically bargain binning after that. You were going, instead of going to, you know, uh, Dulce Gabbana, you were going to Target to fill out the rest <laughs> of your roster. And not, no disrespect to the guys that they signed. They ended up being the right fits, the Danny Greens, the Avery Bradleys. They got Dwight Howard on a very cheap discount. They were able to re-sign key players like JaVale McGee and and Rajon Rondo. And we're going to get into what happened to those guys this week as well. But this offseason, I think they felt we won the championship. Yes, that was a special team. It was a special unit. But can this roster, as currently constructed, running it back completely, even though the chemistry was great, can they do it again in a more competitive Western Conference? 
And um, I think the answer was no. So they said, okay, let's go out and let's go address some needs. They trade for Dennis Schroeder. Then they sign Wesley Matthews, who if you've ever watched any team in the NBA, Wesley Matthews has been a solid contributor everywhere he's gone, from Utah to Portland to Dallas to Indiana, even a brief stint with the New York Knicks. And even last year with the Milwaukee Bucks, he's recovered from a torn uh, Achilles years ago. And he may not be the, quite the same athlete, but he's still a knockdown three-point shooter. He's a, he's a consummate pro. He could defend. So that was a great signing. Then they uh, get, I think, the surprise of Friday night, was Montrez Harrell, the Clipper. The surprise of the entire Surprise, surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. We got him. And, <laughs> man, it, and did we not, we meet, meaning the Lakers, obviously, we as the organization, did we not say that there was, that Rob had something up his sleeve. Exactly. In the way that he was uh, going about things and the way that he was positioning things and, and putting things together, even leading up to this. Right. Um, you could kind of read the tea leaves that there were going to be moves made, mm-hmm. multiple moves made, yeah. especially in the interviews that he gave uh, with Ali Clifton of, of Spectrum and um, the Zoom call that he had speaking about the shorter trade after it had ha- after it happened on uh, Sunday. He talk- talked about it either Monday or Tuesday with the media. Uh, days prior to free agency, you could just tell in his voice, we're not going to be complacent. That was the, the main quote that came out of that media session and him saying that he was going to go for the gusto and he he really did and the fact that he was able to work so closely with rich paul to be able to put together a deal that uh best suited the lakers and obviously was less than what montrez could have you know took taken elsewhere uh i believe that the charlotte hornets were a team that were was offering him um a larger amount of money that he turned down to be able to uh you know, go with the Lakers. So and probably more now, years too, Chaz, I'm thinking. Probably yeah, at least four more, years. Yeah, more security and more, more years yeah. as well. But this, I mean, this kind of gets him, it's a good move because it really kind of allows for the cap to really uh, even out and level out because we don't really know what it's going to be given the coronavirus situation. Um, obviously, there's, there's good news not only within the NBA, but just the world in general of a vaccine Mm -hmm. and things kind of progressing in a positive way. So it's a good move to sign something that's maybe shorter term to see how the salary cap levels out to be able to get even more money to see if it goes up. So um, especially with him having an opt-out, uh, like he does in, in the second year with it being a player option, not a team option. So, right. um, so it's, I, I, I love the move. I, I did too. And there was so much talk about Dwight Howard that there was a tweet put out by him and Shams that he was coming back to the Lakers. The tweet then gets deleted. There was a lot of like iffiness and shadiness, and a lot of people thought it was spawned from Dwight. We then later learned it was a, it, there was something going on. And here's my theory on it, and I've had some time to think about it. I think they were probably all set to sign Dwight, until they realize we have uh, the potential to sign Montrez Harrell right now. And we may need to let Dwight walk at this point because Harrell is younger. He's a little bit more dynamic offensively. Uh, and yeah, he's going to be a little bit more expensive than Dwight is. But this is somebody who could really help shore up that bench. And as much as Dwight meant so much to this championship run, the type of season he had, we talked about it last week, what he meant to this team. It was truly a great story, you know, coming full circle and seeing him reestablish himself, not just 
with the Laker fans, but just reestablish himself as a player, period, because the last couple of years were kind of rough with the injuries and bouncing around and just a lot of negativity surrounding him. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was definitely hard, I'm sure, for Laker fans to see him go. And Trez is not the same player. We know that. Uh, Dwight is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a three-time Defensive Player of the Year award winner. He's left. He's led the league in rebounding and block shots. But Montrezl Harrell's 26 years old. He's averaged 18 points a game in his career. At 6'7", he could draw charges, he could block shots, you could put him in pick and roll. He always plays with so much heart, so much determination. I think he's got a lot to prove after a subpar postseason. And we're going to get into that a little bit later on. So I think it was a savvy move. And you weaken one of your main opponents in, in the Clippers by grabbing one of their better players. So I really thought it was, a, it was a great move. And I think once the Lakers realize this is a real possibility, we've got to let Dwight walk at this point. And that's why, and that's what they did, and that's why they ended up getting Trez. I hear you on that, and great, great theory, and, and that's probably more than likely the truth. My alternate theory to that is, when these moves get made, right? This is why the tampering rules and are laughed at, and where they come into play a little bit, um, because when these moves happen, the big moves, they're already they're deals that are already made weeks in advance, or at least days in advance, right. at the very least. So my theory is that uh, Trez was already it was already a known thing when Rob was giving those interviews this past week. And I think that the Dwight tweet had more so to do with the Lakers learning about Gasol, Mark Gasol's availability mm. rather than, you know, rather than Trez. Because they knew that I, I in my opinion, I think they knew about Trez, same way they knew about Matthews, which is why Danny Green was traded, you know, prior to you don't trade Danny Green without knowing that you're going to get somebody else to replace him, you know. Sure. Yeah. Unless you have a good idea, something like that. So with Dwight, I just think that they got news about Gasol being available and probably hearing back channels between, who knows, Jeannie and Powell and, you know, kind of relaying that to Palenka or Palenka directly speaking to uh, Mark Gasol and his agent. And that deal was able to be consummated. And unfortunately, it left Dwight in the cold. And they were talking about a framework of a deal, mm-hmm. in my opinion, and they... Dwight's agent maybe have articulated that as you have a deal, so go ahead and tweet or whatever it was. But right. um, at, at the end of the day, he it just didn't work out uh, in our favor or even his favor because I feel like we we lose out on Dwight. I'd love to have him on the team, sure. And he he'd rather obviously like to stay in LA because he wouldn't have tweeted that if he wasn't happy. And you know, but he, he's able to get his money and has a a bigger role. And, and on a really good Philadelphia team that's well managed by Daryl Morey and, and Elton Brand, a and really good coach and Doc Rivers, like really yeah, and, they, and, and they were, where it is they were on him. Doc Rivers, he has spoken to Doc Rivers, yeah. and he was assured of his role, and you know, I think he, he I think a lot of these guys, and that includes Avery Bradley, Rajon Rondo. I think I think they gave the Lakers the first dibs, and then just kind of see like, okay, where are we at contract wise? Is there a chance? Yeah, I understand. You know, AD's priority number one, but if we have an opportunity to get paid, and I go back to this phrase, maximize our value, you've got to do that, especially in this financial climate amidst this pandemic. I mean, next season's going to be rough again with no fans, and I'm sure a lot of these teams are going to be taking hits, especially the smaller market teams. So if you've got a chance to make significant money or even have a significant role, you've got to jump on that. I think Dwight's going to have a significant role, not just on the floor, but I also think being a mentor to Joel Embiid, I think that'll really help uh, Embiid out as well because he hasn't really had that much uh, from, from the big man position throughout his career. I, I really don't think Al Horford had that impact, but I think Dwight... Being in the league as long as he has been, 
and going through the trials and the tribulations and the physical uh, de debilitations that he's gone through with the back and the, and the, and the hip and whatnot, I think he's going to be definitely a mentor and somebody that Embiid could look at and say like, you know, this is somebody who could show me what the success as well as what the pitfalls are like uh, in the NBA. So if I want to continue at this rate and, and have a prolonged career and have a successful career, this is somebody I want to I want to definitely take advice from. So I, I'm sure everyone says the same thing. We're all thankful to Dwight and JaVale and Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo for, for all of their contributions. But at the same point in time, we, we knew with this many free agents, it was going to be tough to run it back completely. And the thing is, the Lakers got stronger in a lot of ways. They got younger. They got guys with something to prove, guys that are tough, guys that have a certain skill set that will take pressure off of LeBron and Anthony Davis. And through the course of an expedited 70 to 72 game season plus playoffs, that's going to come in very handy, especially when we're all assuming that LeBron and likely AD are going to be load managed at times. So it's good to have guys who can come in, step in and, and be really strong and and as I'm saying that, Chaz, we got a very special guest coming on, man. A very special guest. Um, he is a sports reporter. He is an entertainment reporter. He is a film critic. And I think most of Laker Nation know him as a guest host on 710 ESPN Radio. The great Ben Lyons joining us on, on this edition of the Showtime Forum Podcast. Ben, thank you so much for joining us today, man. Wow, wow, what up fellas? Thanks so much for that intro. I guess the check cleared. Absolutely. <laughs> it's actually uh Ben, let me just rephrase that. It's actually in the mail, literally. <laughs> no doubt. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's great to see you and uh we could talk some sparks too. I know everybody's into the Lakers offseason, but we gotta talk about these sparks moves as well. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so <laughs> lots, of moves, lots of moves being made all across the sports spectrum, but Ben, it's so good to have you on, man. Um one thing I just want to just jump right in and ask you, what, what's your impression of uh, what the Lakers have done in the past, what, seven days or even the last three days? Um, what, what do you think and what, what do you like or what you, know, you don't I, like? I, uh, I love seeing the enthusiasm across Laker Nation for a guy who couldn't stay on the court during the playoffs and average three rebounds a game in the playoffs. It's just <laughs> remarkable. I mean, Montrez Harrell is a, is a great addition to this Lakers team. Uh, another guy, Marc Gasol, couldn't stay on the floor in the playoffs, averaging seven points in the playoffs. Excited to see what he brings to this Lakers. <laughs> guys are nuts. I love you. Dennis Schroeder has uh, had his hookah lounge shut down for 21 health code violations. You can look up that story in Atlanta. Yep. ES, ES yep. 17, rest in peace. You guys Very are characters, and the rich keep getting richer. I wanted Ibaka for the Lakers. Yeah. I thought he was the best of the bigs out there. But it didn't happen, and uh, man, you know, you guys are uh, the, like I said, the Habs keep having, and the rest of us keep uh, keep wishing we we had the uh, the excitement around our team like you guys seem to always have. Hey, we'll we'll, we'll get to the Knicks in just a moment. You guys actually made. Do we have to? Yeah, yeah, we do, Ben. You guys made some really good moves. This yeah, time. it's a good draft. Because they made no moves. I'm so happy. About it. We didn't spend 120 million dollars on Gordon Hayward. We didn't spend 60 million dollars on Malik Beasley. These would be very Knicks-ish things to have done in the past. So we're seeing some growth as we develop Team CAA and Team Kentucky. So we'll see. 
That's all you can hope for. And I'm sure Spike Lee is going to love that grizzled voice of Tom Thibodeau being echoed across the Madison Square Garden uh, court. They uh, had him in the building. Don't forget, guys, right before the pandemic, right before the shutdown, the big story in the sports world was that Spike Lee got kicked out of the garden. Oh, that was, I remember that. That was hor- yeah. What a horrible yeah. story. If the Oakley just lit up the Ben, if the the Oakley story wasn't infamous enough, Spike Lee getting tossed and then going on first take, where it seems like that's where everyone goes to light a franchise on fire these days, that's exactly what happened, and that was just shameful. But Ben, my question to you is, just off off the Lakers, uh, just for a second, which team do you think is the biggest threat to the Lakers? Now, I know the Clippers got a Baca, they re-signed Marcus Morris, um... They're they're in talks of adding Terry Rozier, but there are some other teams that made some some really good moves. What what do you think, uh, or who do you think the, the biggest competition for the Lakers in the West is? Obviously, when Clay went down, it took the Warriors kind of out of the mix. Although I think they rebounded as nicely as they can with, with Oubre and Bazemore and, and keeping the number two pick. I mean, with the, something like that happens, so devastating to a franchise. So mm-hmm. they would have been the, the I think the sole contender in the West. We all know the Clippers are pretenders. We all know that. So I'm not going to, even with the addition of Ibaka and Raptors West now with Kawhi, it's not going to be enough. Um, I think the Lakers' biggest competition, honestly, guys, and this sounds corny, it might be a sports cliche, but it's themselves. Can they stay healthy? Can they find combinations that work when AD and LeBron aren't on the floor, when they're on the floor together, when only one of them's on the floor? Can Kyle Kuzma... Uh, be you know a player who's worthy of an extension, part of their long term plan. I mean, yeah. all these things will be the question marks around the Lakers. So for them, I think the real competition is just themselves, staying healthy, finding continuity. Don't forget, they lost Avery Bradley, they lost Ray John Rondo, they lost Dwight. These were big parts of, yeah. of what made this last ten championship team so special. They brought in some cool new guys. We'll see if it works. I don't know if. Wesley Matthews has, shown, has thrown a bow and arrow since the Hunger Games. Like I, I haven't seen yeah. it. Oh, yeah, that's a question mark there. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun for you guys as you just roll through the West. And despite Phoenix getting better and, you know, Portland continuing to add pieces, yeah. it's just not going to be enough. Yeah, ultimately, I, I, I see it the same way as you do. Uh, I mean, you added Schroeder, Trez, Marcus All, KCP, Matthews, Markeith to LeBron AD, Caruso, and Kuzma and Tucker. I mean, and, and actually, Ben, I I was telling Chaz before we uh, started recording, a guy that I like is a former Nick. So if you can get him at the veterans minimum, a guy by the name of Langston Galloway who shot forty percent from downtown in Detroit last year, that would be a, like a glorified Troy Daniels type, just a bona fide sniper to have up off the bench and put him in a winning environment. Finally, no disrespect. I mean, of course. You're talking to my heart. I am as big a Langston Galloway fan as anybody who is not related to him or in his family. Like, that guy's amazing. I think he's number one in the league in right corner threes. That might be a nerdy stat okay. we have to check out. We love nerdy um, stats. And, and the dude is, uh, you know, undrafted and has worked his way into having a solid NBA career and uh, is a free agent who I hope finds a home, whether it's with the Lakers or some other contender. Um, and he works out down at uh, down by the airport, like six a.m. in the mornings in the summertime. At uh, I think it's nice. like Westchester High School or whatever. Wow. So he's easy to find in L.A. Yeah. Lots um, of guys in L.A. right now on the yeah, big big LG Kicks fan man. Shout out to Langston. 
There you go. You know what? Uh, speaking of the Knicks, what are your expectations for them? They hired Tom Thibodeau. They completely renovated their front office. You got Leon Rose in there. You got World Wide West. Uh, they've got R.J. Barrett. They've got Mitchell Robinson. They've got Kevin Knox still. They just drafted Obi Topin. What are your expectations? Oh, and Julius Randle is still there. What are your expectations for, for this team going into the 21 season? Very proud of this squad. Most first-time voters in the NBA. <laughs> You're a first-time voter. Very exciting. Kevin Knox voted for the first time. Hooper's vote, guys. It's a big deal. Um, my expectations or my desires? My desire is for them to be a competitive team of grown-up professional basketball players. My expectations are, are, are obviously the exact opposite. You guys don't really understand just how what ineptitude really is like on a day-to-day basis. However, this ownership, uh, not ownership, this this new management group, you all know the ownership group's a mess. Yes. Management is doing things, guys, that, that the Knicks fans have been asking them to do for years. Save your money. Don't go all in on Steve Francis or Amari because you don't get the, the, the number one guy at free agency. Have a guy like Ed Davis on your roster for 72 hours and walk away with two young assets and three second-round picks. Like, do little nerdy uh, salary cap dumps and moving of of rights around, and they're Mm. doing that, which is actually really cool. They have the second-most draft picks out of any team in the league besides Oklahoma moving forward. For the first time in my lifetime, they have all of their future first-round picks. They're not off in some... Barnyani trade somewhere. So it's, uh, you know, we still got two more years of Joe Kim Noah stretched at six million. Oh, gosh. And we're we're still paying Lou all day on this. We could fill you on that, my friend. You know, at least we're not Charlotte's trying to stretch that 27 on Nick Batum. Um, But uh, my expectations are you're going to see the kids grow. You're going to see RJ Barrett hopefully take a next step. He's so young, he's still only 20. And uh, and you're going to see them hopefully just be competitive. There are too many games when they had guys like Jason Smith and Travis Ware where they'd be down 30 at halftime where you're like, what are we even doing this for? So I hope just to see grown-ups play basketball in the garden. I love it. Yeah. I love it. No, absolutely. Ben, last question for me. I know you're also a film critic. And I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm a huge movie buff. You know, I actually started off the show doing the Denzel clap from training day. Uh, you know, first day on the job, you come up on a $3 million heist. Uh, what is the must see movie right now? Just to get off the topic of basketball a little bit, in your opinion, what's the must see movie right now? Guys, it's called My Octopus Teacher, and it's on Netflix. It's a documentary about a filmmaker who was burnt out. He's tired of trying to get his project made. So he went back to his hometown in South Africa where he grew up free diving as a young boy, going down into the ocean without a big oxygen tank on and mask. And he's down there, and over the course of a year, he befriends an octopus. They form this beautiful relationship Mm. and you find yourself very emotionally attached to this octopus well-being and the way it's shot is so he's not intrusive you know he doesn't have crazy camera technology he just places these cameras in these spots that he intrinsically knows that the octopus will be there and it's unlike anything i've ever seen it's a beautiful documentary it's called my octopus teacher that's what's out right now that I that I really enjoy. It's been such a weird year for movies. When they yeah. come out, how they come out, I don't yeah. even know. Right. This. Shout out to Josh Jumel has a movie that came out this weekend called Buddy Games. He wrote it, directed it, stars in it with Olivia Munn, Dak Shepard, Kevin Dillon. 
uh, Nick Swartz, and it's ridiculous buddy comedy based off of Josh and his friends. They do this every summer where they get a big cabin in the woods and they do like 10 games and activities and wow. keep points and compete for ridiculous things. So he got a chance to make that movie and it's out now. So shout out to him. But another movie I loved was that Sundance. It comes out December 11th. I'll promote it anywhere I get the opportunity. So indulge me for a moment. It's called Wander Darkly. It's with Sienna Miller and Diego Luna. The movie's 85 minutes. I saw it at Sundance. I think 82 of them. I was weeping like wow. a teething infant, like a Nick fan who remembers them drafting Gerard Mustaf. I was just crying, crying, crying. It's a beautiful film. Sienna crushes it, directed by Tara Mealy. Young couple in L.A., they get in a car crash, and she spends the next hour and a half of the movie trying to figure out, am I alive? Am I dead? Is this a dream? Is everyone at my funeral? It's a, just a crazy mental uh psychological thriller that i absolutely loved is called wander darkly so shameless plug for that one as well wander darkly what was the octopus one again my octopus teacher we got this like psychological like romantic okay. dramas and octopus movies well, what do you want another event no yeah yeah, yeah t- <laughs> tuesday wednesday when there's no you know football or obviously there's no basketball or baseball there's i need something to watch so now i got two two other uh, movies that I can, you know, throw on. You know, it's cool. This time of year is when traditionally, you know, the big awards movies would come out as studios ramp up for Oscars and Globes and stuff, but everything's kind of been pushed and extended and now people don't really know how to find stuff. So it really comes down to word of mouth. And a lot of these movies that maybe even came out a couple months ago, like Charm City Kings, for example, a great film uh, that's on HBO Max. They need these conversations, this word of mouth, just to kind of keep them in the zeitgeist or else you kind of forget them out of sight, out of mind. You know, uh, Ben, there was another movie that uh, Steve Mason was just talking about, another big film buff, uh, one of your esteemed colleagues. He was talking about the making of a Godfather movie, like a dramatization about how the Godfather got made. uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is supposed to be in it, and the guy that played Poe, in Star Wars, I forgot his name, but he's supposed to play uh, Fra- uh, Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac, he's supposed to play Francis Ford Coppola. So, I mean, I I might want to audition for the uh, the young Al Pacino role, you know, but uh, that's just me. Uh- <laughs> that's really cool, you know. It's to see us uh, like inside of how Hollywood works. I always love David Fincher's got a good movie now out on Netflix called Mank about the making of Citizen Kane. Uh, from Orson Welles. But this idea of The Godfather, you know, it's, it's talked about in The Kid Stays in the Picture, which is a great documentary about Robert Evans, who was this young producer yeah. and studio head back in the 60s and 70s. He produced The Godfather. Right. So The Kid Stays in the Picture. It's a lot of the whole back and forth between him and Francis Ford Coppola and the studio and a lot of crazy, you know, famous Hollywood stories and how that whole thing came together. And uh, yeah, I, I, I you know, Mason's, Mason's got an interesting take on movies. He likes the inside yeah. baseball stuff. He goes a little too hard on the Marvel for his age group, I feel like. I know he likes to be the youngest millennial, <laughs> but I don't know how somebody can get so excited about Thor Ragnarok at the age of the game. Uh, but yeah, he's usually uh, he's usually pretty on top of it, especially with some of the indie Sundance movies that he gets a little later. Oh, nice, man. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I, just, I wanted to ask you, I mean, more than more than anything... Just what you think about, you know, what's going to happen overall, you know, with, with, with in the NBA and how things are just going to shake out just overall. I mean, I, there's a lot of lot of moves made over the last week or so, but just what do you say? What do you think everything is going to land uh, you know, east, west? What, what stands out? To yeah, you? I, think, I think 
we as fans we forget the the hit that these owners are taking on these on these games without having fans. Listen, as someone who spends fifteen dollars on a John George chicken sandwich and is paying off Noah's stretch, like I understand as a fan, when you go to the game, you spend money. You know course, what I mean? Yeah. And if yeah. you don't have that forty one times a year plus preseason plus playoffs, I don't care if you own Fanatics, I don't care if you own Microsoft, whatever it is, like you're gonna feel it in your bottom line. So I think the NBA has to really um, go through this transition period delicately and, and and we got the fact we even get these games the fact we even got a bubble to yeah. the extent we did is really remarkable guys yeah. it's it, it again like the hot take space of like well the lakers didn't get enough to replace rondo you know the fact we're putting on basketball the fact that these guys only have a window in their lifetime in which they can compete at the highest level mm-hmm. you know carl anthony towns hasn't won a basketball game since november of 2019 Part of that's for injury. Part of that's COVID. Part of that's uh, you know them not being good. But bubble, bubble, yeah. young players back out on the court. So the fact that we get the quick off season is great. We get to see them play. We got to just take some stock in that and some comfort in that. So what is it going to look like? Man, it's going to be weird seeing the empty gyms and them traveling. And I, I don't want the same fate the NFL has had where guys get COVID on a Thursday and then they don't play Sunday or, Oh, the Lakers head up to the Bay in San Francisco and Oh, Draymond got COVID. So there's no game tonight. Like that's going to be tough. I don't want to see that for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. I don't think we will. I think, I think the leadership for, from the top down, the players association has been world-class. I think, um, I, you know, and I think the metric for how we quantify viewership is so antiquated for them to say it all go woke go broke basketball ratings are down is mind-boggling to me how many times do you watch a highlight now on house of highlights or uh, on twitter like over and over again or you share it with your friends or you share it with somebody in australia i got a friend in australia named lorenzo who's more obsessed with hoop than all of us and so we'll go back and forth sharing highlights or funny photos there's no metric to qualify that as yeah. popularity or cultural relevancy. Here's a game I like to play, guys, in terms of defining like which sport is the most culturally relevant. Can you imagine anyone currently playing Major League Baseball to host Saturday Night Live? Like maybe if the Yankees won the World Series, Aaron Judge, maybe. But they're and your musical guest, the little baby, and. Although I got to say, Bill Murray, when the Cubs won it all, he did a segment with three of the Cubs players. But the thing is, if those three Cubs players just would have shown up, Dexter Fowler, Anthony Rizzo, and I forgot who the third one was, if they just would have shown up by themselves without Bill Murray, people would have been like, who are these guys again? But if you're like, hey, musical guest Coldplay, and your host, Russell Westbrook. Okay, makes sense. And yeah. your host, James Harden, Stephen Curry, LeBron James. Like, the list goes on. Right. Yeah. And why are these guys relevant? Not to say Saturday Night Live is the most culturally relevant itself. However, its role in our society is to kind of shine a light on the talent of the moment and, you know, whether it's. Uh, actors or athletes or who's ever just kind of got the sauce. And right. the NBA's got so many dudes. You could even do it with the WNBA. A- and your host, Sue Bird. Like, okay, yeah. sure. Or Shanae Ogumake. You know what I mean? Any Ogumake. Literally anyone. Any, any Ogumake. Speaking of that, really, really quick, 
you had mentioned the WNBA. The WNBA will be fine. Sorry to answer your question. I think the WNBA fine. Still in the middle of the culture. And, and I think it, it'll find its way during this tough time. Really good point about how things are consumed as well. Like, you know, crack streams and, and you know, illegal streaming and everything like that. That doesn't get factored in either. And a lot of people are using that. Really just overseas. Something tells me there's more kids in, in Germany who cared about the NBA finals this year than 10 years ago. So Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. Beginning with, with the Sparks and the WNBA, I mean, they're making some moves and, you know, there, there's some things going on there. What, what do you think about the Sparks and the state of the WNBA as well? Uh, obviously, well, we're both. I think the Sparks w- got to get a lot of these these women back on the court. Um, obviously, Cheney, you know, opted out for the bubble, as did uh, Sydney Tolliver. Uh, so, you know, I, I would like to see some of them get back healthy. We got a, a double double uh, every night from Candace. She was bubble. incredible. Yeah, she was awesome. He's so dope. I covered, I covered the Sparks this past year uh, for a, a, a media entity that I covered. And, and I got to tell you, this was probably some of the best ball I saw uh, Candace Parker play this past year. And they got good contributions oh, yeah. from a lot of them. Raquana Williams, Sydney Weiss. A lot, a lot of those players had, had really solid seasons. And Simone Augustus uh, played well. But once again, they just, in the playoffs... It's 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 single elimination, and you you know you go through a team like the Connecticut Sun, who ended up going to the WNBA Finals, just knocked him right out. You know, so I think Derek Fisher, as the head coach, he's still learning the women's game and and how to input his personality and his experience on all of these women. So, yeah, no, well said, and they got so much talent. There's so much talent in the league, and I just want to see when they get back to playing. Right. Seeing Elena Deladon back in the court, seeing Kim Beige back in the W, seeing some of these big stars get a chance to shine seeing sabrina healthy again too um in brooklyn in brooklyn now with the liberty so it's a fun time man it's really dope that i can come on a show like this and talk w with you guys and you do a great job with your coverage and that's how we first connected was through the wnba so you know uh, it holds a special place in my heart and, and it needs guys like us talking about it and leaning in a little bit in order for it to continue to pop and really quick for those of you that don't know obviously i I met Ben personally at a WNBA game, and he was just, I didn't know at the time, but there was just some guy behind me that was just heckling the hell out of Bill Lambeer, um, <laughs> right, right, right behind, right behind um, the, the bench, the visitor's bench at the Sparks game. And I, I turn around, I'm like, man, I recognize that voice, obviously, listening to 710. <laughs> and I turn around, and it's Ben Lyons giving Bill Lambeer a hard time, so... Uh, I turn around, we, we exchange some words. And, and Come on, are. man. This is why I want to get back to the building <laughs> for these guys. <laughs> there you go. Bill here on a Tuesday night. Yeah. Oh, man, that was so, so great. So th- thanks, Ben. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking yeah. Lakers, Sparks, NBA, everything. Movies. Uh, with us. Movies as well. You're welcome on anytime. Uh, thanks again. What, what, are you, what are you promoting? I know you're on... You're doing GM school, or you did GM school. Um, yeah, we did GM school. I appreciate the, the shout. That was a lot of fun for NBA TV. And honestly, the thing I'm really working on, guys, right now is trying to flip the Senate in Georgia. You know, I launched Hooper's Vote with Rock the Vote to galvanize the collective energy of basketball's interest in voter turnout. And it doesn't stop. Marathon continues January 5th down in Georgia. Two Senate races. With WNBA ties, obviously, yeah. uh, Kelly Loeffler is, is one of the owners of the dream, and she's gone out of her way to silence women's rights, silence the Black Lives Matter movement. She's got to be taken out of power. So I'm working with a lot of different NBA players, guys like Steve Smith, Quentin Richardson, Terry Jackson at the WNBA Players Association to really figure out a way to turn out young people in Georgia. You can go to GASenate.com. 
Stacey Abrams organization, Fair Fight, support any way you can, but we got to keep it in the zeitgeist. We're going to get distracted by Thanksgiving, by NFL playoff seedings, by the NBA coming back, by Christmas, Hanukkah, all the stuff. This is going to be top of mind. So it's top of mind for me, and I appreciate being able to talk about it with you guys. And as outsiders to the state of Georgia, it doesn't mean our energy isn't appreciated or needed. So go to gasenate.com to get involved. It's a great cause. It's a great cause. Ben, thank you again so much for, for joining us uh, on this special edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. Uh, what's your, what is your social media handle? How could our listeners follow you? Um, at RJ Barrett for president. <laughs> <laughs> I am Ben Lyons. You guys are fine. Yeah. I just want one in my lifetime. You guys get them every year now, every 10 years. You maybe get another one next year. Who cares? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> or, uh, 17. Who cares? We'll get, we'll get, get it at 18. <laughs> yeah, 18. who knows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just never ends. It never Mix ends. Up, Mix will be all good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, thanks again, brother. Yeah. yeah, enjoy the whole family night at the Staples Center hopefully soon, and we'll talk. All right, man, thanks well. so much, man. Uh, ha- ha- be, yeah. be healthy, be safe out there, and we'll be talking to you soon, man. All right, go next. Take care. The great Ben Lyons. How cool was that, man? How that was cool great, was that? Man. And shout out to my boy Chaz coming through. Unbelievable, man. Sh- shout-, shout out to Ben for being just nice enough to, you know, give give us some of his time and and talk about. Uh, so many different things that are going on in the sports landscape, but to bring it all the way back home, yeah, uh, to to the real the real reason of you know what's a little bit more important these days um, and social justice and and voting and um, the the right to vote um, and using his platform uh, as well as many others to be able to like Stacey Abrams, like LeBron has with yeah. uh, more than a vote, people using their platform to to push. Uh, what the right thing is uh, for not only ourselves but as a country. So, um, and not vilifying to, them for him. it, and, and yeah. not even vilifying them. So, I mean, yeah. I I can't I can't think uh, of anything greater than you know what he's doing, what Ben's doing, and what others are doing, uh, and making a, di- a true difference yeah. uh, within the culture as well as our uh, society. So, props to him for that. And for sure, man, can't, can't wait to have him back on when we're probably get about to bring it around for our back-to-back rings. So exactly. let's get back to these Lakers. Man. Back-to-back rings, and we've had back-to-back great guests. Lauren Jones last week. This week we've got, we have got we had the great Ben Lyons talking hoops, talking movies, talking uh, you know social activism. So great stuff as always. And, you know, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, we're, we're a Lakers podcast, but, you know, sometimes you gotta you got to deviate from the spectrum a little bit, and we're still going to get back to the basketball essence of everything. Uh, but that was that was a nice little breakup for for us. So so Chaz, going back to to the Lakers, um, obviously on Sunday night, that's where more moves continued. Well, actually, let's go back to Saturday. The re-signing of Contavious Caldwell Pope. We knew that that was going to be an off-season priority for the Lakers. We all know Rich Paul uh, is his agent, and we know about the ties with Rob Palenka. And they came up with a, I thought, a pretty good deal. Three years at forty million, considering there are other guys getting. You know, more than that, I thought that was a pretty solid deal for a guy who just helped you win a championship and could have made more elsewhere. So this is what happens when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. There are players that we saw. We saw this happen in 2013, 12 and 13, actually, after the Heat won their back-to-back championships when LeBron joined uh Chris Brosh and Dwayne Wade. There were players like Shane Battier and Mike Miller mm-hmm. 
and Mario Chalmers, Mario Chalmers, Chris Anderson, Birdman, Birdman yeah. and Chris Anderson. Yeah. I mean, there's players that took less to be able to be on a team that was going to be Ray Allen even Ray took Allen. less as well. Those last two years, yeah. The Boston Celtics, their players are going to be willing to take less. And what you're seeing now is exactly that in Montrez Harrell, as well as Wesley Matthews, uh, as well as... Uh, I'd be willing to bet Marcus Gasol. Marcus Gasol could have gotten more than just the veterans minimum elsewhere. Well, well, and and he could have gotten more overseas because if you recall, the initial story on Marcus Gasol was he was not going to play in the NBA this upcoming year. He was going to go play overseas in Spain. He was even pondering retirement. Obviously, he's had a lot of injuries in recent years with his feet and his knees and whatnot. So, I mean, the fact that Marcus Gasol became available was a little bit surprising to me because I was like, isn't this guy going to go play in Spain or somewhere in Europe next year? Just like we saw with Nikola Meritic uh, last year that ended up turning down more money in the NBA because he wanted to go play in Spain and he still got paid handsomely. I thought maybe Gasol would have gone that route. But the fact that he became available and was willing to come out here to LA and, and play for less money, even though he didn't have a great, great season with the Raptors, I thought that was huge right there. And and. Then you saw the other domino fall yesterday that the Lakers really wanted him. They wanted to keep him from going to the Clippers or going back to Toronto. So what do they do? Let's trade JaVale McGee with the second round pick. Send send him and, and that pick to Cleveland. Now we've got the space to go sign Marcus Saul and plug him into the starting lineup. And, you know, no disrespect to JaVale. He had two really good seasons with the Lakers. Great teammate, good shot blocker, athletic, plays really hard, overcame the asthma issue after the 2018-2019 season. And now you get a multiple-time All-Star in Gasol. You get a former Defensive Player of the Year. He comes back to the team where it all started, the team that drafted him, playing uh, for his brother's old team where, you know, uh, Powell won two, two championships and one of the most beloved Lakers of all time. So it's kind of cool that he's now, you know, people always say walking in your father's footsteps like Wesley Matthews playing for his dad's old team and Wes Matthews Sr. And now it's Mark kind of walking in his brother's shoes saying, I'm going to the team that my brother had so much success in, in his career and was and is still, you know, one of the happiest times of his career. So that's that, that was a pretty awesome story as well. And, that, and that's the thing. Powell is here in Los Angeles with his, you know, fiance or his wife now. I think fiance. I think fiance. Yeah, um, I don't think I've gotten married. And, yet. and his and his and his new, you know, baby girl, his daughter. So I mean, there there are things, other reasons that had nothing to do with the Lakers as to why Marcus All may have motivated Marcus All to be able to take, uh, you know, less uh, than he maybe could have elsewhere. But uh, things happen the way that it should, and I'm glad to have the guy. Uh, I know there's going to be a, there have been a bunch of people and will continue to be other media heads that say like Skip Bayless that say that he can't move or you know he's as slow as a rock and this and that. But what what he does do is space the floor and give a lane to the basket for LeBron James and Anthony Davis to be able to to you know do their job and do work on the mid post or have a lane to the basket rather than Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee just standing there under the basket and, and clogging the lane, essentially. So that's what he does. And also, can you imagine what Marcus Gasol is going to do as a secondary passer, right? So let's say whoever the wing guy is, KCP, Kuzma, whoever, gives it to Marcus Gasol at the high post. Yeah. And, you know, that was Anthony Davis throwing it to JaVale and Dwight. You know, Dwight. Now it's going to be Marcus Gasol throwing it to AD or Caruso on the back cut, yeah. giving it to AC or anybody else. So exactly, I, that's what I'm most excited for. The spacing that Marcus Gasol gives us, as well as the passing and the IQ ability 
um, and all, also already being uh, a champion and bringing that championship experience into an already great locker room. Exactly, and Mark has always been a presence. And not only that, though, he may be slow, but he's still able to get out to guards on high screen and roll. So this is not only a guy who could be a good help defender with shot blocking, but also he can get out to the perimeter at times. Obviously, you don't want to – the air's a little thin out there, as we know, for, for most traditional big men. But at the same point in time, from what I saw two years ago in that NBA Finals, his ability to cut guys off and keep them from getting to their spots, either in the paint or on the perimeter, that's huge right there. So I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think to have another caveat – within that offense with the starting unit to have a guy who could operate from the low post, high post, stretch the floor out to the three-point line is going to be great. But also, too, defensively, he's not going to be a slouch. And and I think, it obviously, it's going to open things up for Anthony Davis as well. And Mark being such a high IQ player is really going to make things easier, even more easier for Anthony Davis. Uh, so, I mean, you've got three dynamic playmakers between LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Mark Gasol. And also, too, I think... This also makes the decision easier for Frank Vogel to not have to start Dennis Schroeder. Now you could actually have Schroeder come up off the bench, start KCP with Wesley Matthews, a la Danny Green and Avery Bradley last year, and I, th- I think it's going to work out just fine. That That's going to be perfect. Um, I'd like to see if Caruso is going to get into the starting lineup or how many times he may possibly get into the starting lineup. That's yeah. going to be something that I personally I'm going to take a look at um and you know if I can maybe uh I don't cover the team directly and I'm not going to be in any practice facilities or locker rooms but maybe Lauren can or maybe you know you can or anybody else but that's going to be a question that I'm going to be posing to many people to ask Frank Vogel about you know how he feels about Caruso possibly starting but um just the fact that we were able to upgrade every position and keep people at the most important positions so Wesley Matthews replaces Danny Green in my eyes Montrez replaces Dwight Howard Marcus Gasol replaces JaVale McGee Dennis Schroeder replaces Avery Bradley and Rondo to me because he does both of the things that they did well not obviously are you know IQ wise Dennis Schroeder isn't as are you know IQ wise or has as high of an IQ as Rondo does, I should say, and be able to break things down on film and just experience wise. But the shot making, the shot uh, creativity that he has, the the defense that he actually plays as well. Um, You know, I'm really, really happy with the moves that Rob was able to make and kept the most important positions like Markeith Morris that happened earlier this morning and Markeith tweeting out that he's going to run it back. Um, And the fact that we're able to keep him, keep KCP on a, team-friendly, you know, great, good deal for him, but a team-friendly deal for us at three years, $40 million. And still able to have Caruso and THT and Kuz. We got younger and more flexible. Right. And there's, and I'm just, I'm not even going to really put this out there like that, like it's going to happen. This is something that I'm going to give you guys, I'm going to peel back the curtain. I'm going to give it right back to you, Chris. I'm going to peel back the curtain in our Lakers slack that we talk in all the time. And Many of you that might be even listening to the show have, have a Lakers slack. But there's something in this Lakers slack that someone tweeted and screenshot and put in into our chat. And it says that when Horse suspects AD is taking his time to decide what contract he chooses because of Giannis. If Giannis doesn't t- sign the Supermax by the you know end of the deadline or during this offseason, he thinks AD will sign a one plus one. So both LeBron and AD 
we will be able to opt out after this season Mm -hmm. and recruit Giannis to the Lakers with all three of them being technically free agents. Now, I don't know if that's possible. Technically, it's possible. I don't know how likely that is. I don't know how that's starting to be circulated, but I give the floor to you with that information. What what do you think of that? Yeah, I read that uh, early Monday morning myself, and, you know, it's one of those things that where you get, where you say, ooh, like, why hasn't AD signed? Why hasn't he given himself that financial security that a lot of NBA players, especially a guy like AD, who as talented as he is, and now is proven as a champion, but has also been injury prone in his career, would lock up. And that, and even last week we were talking about it with Lauren, and I even said the two plus one would sound good. Maybe he wants to get to that ten year service time so he can get the super max and really cash out. But is it about trying to align with Giannis so that way they could all kind of go in together and say, "Hey, listen, this is where you got to be. Get out of Milwaukee. Yeah, they're they're a solid organization, but is this where you want to be?" For the majority of your career, you know, where this is a team that is still going to have limitations. That's just what it is. And it's not because they don't have a capable owner or even a capable front office, but it's Milwaukee, man. You know, I mean, everyone who's ever been there has left with the exception of maybe Oscar Robertson going back to the 1960s. Kareem got traded out of there. Ray Allen, Sam Cassell, Big Dog Robinson, Brandon Jennings. Michael Red, exactly. Well, I mean, Red, that was more injuries that, that derailed him more so than him wanting to get out. But, I mean, they just don't have that sort of pedigree. And I just think that's going to – they have a shorter ceiling than the Lakers do. And if Giannis has other aspirations besides just winning championships and he wants to get into Hollywood and maybe get into films or TV or whatnot, what better place to do it than, than, than L.A.? Just like we said the same thing with LeBron James two years ago. He wants to come here to – expand his platform, expand his media business. And and the same could be said for Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak. So we shall see what happens. And uh, I think it's an interesting theory and it's going to be fun to watch. So that's, so the, the contract AD takes will be very telling if that theory from Windhorse is true. I'll be on the lookout for that. That's, I mean, at this point, and we'll talk about it in our next topic, but how the Lakers fill out the remainder of the roster um, Bobby Marks had tweeted out earlier today that um, that the Lakers have 12 spots filled now that Markeith has officially joined. And as we've been recording this, uh, the Lakers have tweeted out that it is official uh, that Markeith Morris is ready to run it back. Uh, he, they announced Montrez. They announced Caldwell Pope. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, obviously. Wesley Matthews. So all of this is not just hearsay or reported. It's actually official to report because the morator- moratorium period has you know now passed. Um, but how do you think that the Lakers will end up filling out the remainder of the roster? What do you see on the horizon um, moving forward? Because there's only veteran minimums de- minimum deals that are available for the Lakers to be able to sign. So who do you think that they throw uh, those offers at, if anybody at all? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things, well, first of all, I, I think that one, one of the issues that we still don't know is the future of Jordan Bell and Alfonso McKinney. Now, do those 12 roster spots include those two guys? McKinney, because they've officially waived, waived Jordan, Jordan Bell. Bell. Which, I kind of like Jordan Bell. He's a local guy, plays above the rim, long, athletic, can block shots. So that would have been nice to kind of round out that front court. So, yeah, with Bell now being gone, does that mean 
the, the door is open for DeMarcus Cousins to try to stay healthy and see if he would be comfortable taking on a secondary backup center type role. Now, right now you've got Gasol, who plays the five. You have Trez capable of playing the five. And you have Anthony Davis capable of playing the five. But, as we know, injuries will happen. Load management, COVID. You want to be covered in all aspects. Like Markeith Morris, what does he cover you in? He, he, Him and Trez essentially play the same position, yet Keith can stretch his game out to the three-point line. And he can guard some smaller players. So that's why it was important to bring him back. Cousins would be great to give you that fourth big man. That way, if, in case injuries happen, he's he's available. Another guy I like, uh, Chaz, I, I mentioned him, Langston Galloway. A pure shooter. You could use another one of those, just you know, lurking on the bench and whatnot. And I think if Trevor Reza gets bought out, that would be another guy I'd love to have. You know, Trevor Reza, Nick Batum is available. You know, Batum has had a rough go of it in Charlotte. Um, he just recently got waived in, after being traded. So uh, you could get him on the veterans minimum. And, I mean, could be a guy, once again, with something to prove if he wants to continue to have uh, his NBA career expanded. So there's a lot of good options out there. But those are some of the names that I like. What about you? I'm interested to see what happens with McKitty, like you said, because Jordan Bell was being was waived. Um, that's another uh, three or four. Well, really, he plays the two or the three. Uh, but that's another w- big body wing defender that we can use, yeah. actually. So I wouldn't hate it if he stayed on the team. The way it's sounding, it's sounding like Dud, you know, Jared Dudley might be the odd man out. As much as I would like to keep him on this team, mm-hmm. um, there's just a little bit more value as far as on court value that you know to be had out there. So I'm really interested to see if Jared Dudley is somehow. I know I know it's been reported that uh, you know that we could possibly resign him. Uh, but it just sounds like there's not as much space left because you still have to count your two-way deals in Devontae Kaycott, who's you know probably going to be in a Laker uniform on the team, especially you know during this COVID time when mm-hmm. guys are probably going to be out. I'd be willing to bet that I'd be surprised if no Laker missed a game or a practice due to COVID. It, yeah. It's going to happen, guys. It so is. probably for every team. So those two-way deals, those Exhibit 10 contracts, those deals – uh, have a lot more value now than they did previously because of the unprecedented time that we're in. But uh, I'm I'm high. The mo- number one veteran minimum signing I want to see is Boogie Cousins because I think that it's more important um, to have somebody backing up Gasol because it's very likely that Gasol is going to miss games given yeah. his age, given his you know experience and things of that nature. You'd be crazy to think that Marcus All is not going to miss time. So what does that do if he's out? Put more pressure on AD to play the five, which we know he's not too crazy about doing, right. especially within the regular season. Not in the playoffs, but in the regular season. So if we can bring in Boogie and he's willing to take the minimum, that's, I mean, that just sets our roster off even that much more. So, uh, and I really like the Langston Galloway signing as well. The more you talked about it, the more actually Ben talked about it, the more I came around on it. So you guys talked me into it. I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, here are the cons of, of all of these pickups is how is this all going to work? You know, last year's team had so much chemistry, but now this is the, this is the fine line you walk. We want to be proactive. We want to address weaknesses, but yet we also know the chemistry made us so special last year. So how do we bring back a group, address the weaknesses and still have the same chemistry? Well, listen, the fact that you have one of the greatest leaders of all time on your roster 
and an amazing coaching staff that has done a great job setting a culture for the Lakers built on toughness, hard work, attention to details, defensive-minded. I think that is going to allow these guys who are at a point in their careers who want to win. Yeah, they have their own individual goals, but they want to win as well, especially Gasol, especially um, uh, Montrez Harrell, and I think even Schroeder as well. So between their individual goals, which is to try to play well for their next big contract, they also understand, like, if we come to a team like this, our goal is to win a championship, and we're going to do everything we can play better defense, be you know, be more attentive to the details. And I think when you have a coaching staff and a star tandem that is going to hold these guys accountable, you're going to see them be more locked in on that end of the floor. And I think ultimately that's going to lead to positive chemistry in the locker room because these guys are all doing their jobs and they're all going to be successful and win. One of the cons that you spoke to uh, that I want to address is we did lose – high chemistry guys like yeah. like you alluded to and the the biggest character guy would be Dudley that we lost well we don't know if he's and, gone yet though that's the thing we'll, we'll, we'll see we'll see if we lose him that's, okay. that's really the biggest one but outside of the ones that we've actually lost JaVale was a great guy that's I mean personally I feel like dang I, I really want him on the team but I just I understand that we you know business is business you know um, and thank you for the chip and the hard work and the, and the professionalism that you displayed in the two years that you've been here. Um, high quality character guys in the locker room, we, we've definitely have lost, but we've also brought in some really high character guys as well. Mm. Um, the, the relationship between LeBron and Montrez is something that I'm going to look at very, very closely. Like how mm. that relationship develops and evolves. Who knows? You could have Montrez and AD for the next three to five years together. They're both... 26 and 27 years old i mean they that's a core that you two guys that you could really build off of it and moving forward so um and one of the cons as well um is obviously just bringing in new guys you're, you're going to have to have some kind of continuity and rebuilding of that and we don't have as much time than we did before to be able True. to build that like we did so that's the only thing because you are bringing in pretty much a whole brand new half of the roster mm -hmm. as far as rotation guys that are actually going to play yeah and five new guys but if, if there's anybody that can do it it's going to be the greatest leader in all of sports right now and in my opinion that's lebron james and he's going to be able to get all of these guys on the same page and again the collaborative effort between rob palenka anthony davis uh, Kurt Rambis, LeBron James, how everybody, Genie Buss, how they've all come together to put the roster together. Mm. Last year, I would imagine it's the same thing that happened in the last few weeks, and everybody's on the same page, and we're all on the road to number 18 now, and looking to go back to back. Yeah, no, it's going to be it's going to be a great run, I think. If everyone's able to stay healthy, get on the same page, and the fact that these guys are willing to come here at a discount, and they could have gone somewhere else, Marcus Hall could have stayed in Toronto, where he's got familiarity with the coaching staff and the core of that team. You know, Trez could have stayed with the Clippers, who probably would have offered him a four-year deal worth, you know, sixty to seventy-five million or something in that ballpark. But Trez clearly was not happy with the Clippers, and I think his role is going to shift. I don't think you're going to be seeing Trez with a smaller lineup as the five every single time. He's going to play a four-five combo with AD playing a four-five combo, and not to mention this whole talk about Trez being a sieve defensively. I think is completely inaccurate. This guy draws more charges than, any, than anyone at his position. He's, he's averaging a block a game, and he actually moves his feet well. 
He okay. He got he got clowned in the uh, in the second round against Nikola Jokic when his frame of mind was not right because he just lost his grandmother. And by the way, last time I checked, Nikola Jokic was also working the Lakers front court throughout that five game Western Conference Finals. This guy's a top three offensive big man in the entire NBA. Some would even call him the best offensive big man in the NBA. He's going to find ways to be productive. Trez is still a capable and willing defender. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he wants to wipe the slate clean, reestablish himself, and I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder and be hungry to you know, basically go out and destroy everyone next year. I'm not saying he's going to average 18 and 7, but you're going to see a lot of energy, a lot of passion, a lot of toughness every single night, and you can never question Montrez Harrell's motor, man. That pick and roll on the second unit between yep. Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell I didn't even mention Wesley that. Wesley Matthews and Kyle Kuzma in the corner or KCP or even a back pick or a back cut from Caruso with Marcus All down there to pass out or space the floor. I mean, there's just so many options that you have. I mean, And Chaz, kind of, sorry to interrupt. Kuzma's the fifth option, arguably. Six. <laughs> six, really. I mean, I mean my, my guy's going to have a really – you guys know that I'm the president of the Kuz Hive, and I, I really rock with – would do and i really want coos to be great um but it's really become i mean unless he just really shows out this year and averages 20 plus it, with the amount of depth that's on this team that's not going to happen and for him to get his money that he's actually worth and to show his actual skills he's going to have to go elsewhere i'm i've come to that conclusion now because this team is just too stacked yeah and it's more about getting maximizing the window that you have with lebron than getting Kyle Kuzma up to speed to be able to carry the mantle and carry the torch with AD moving forward. And so it, that, that's, that's becoming apparent to me, and I'm all for it as long as it results in more jewelry and more hardware and more banners. For sure, and and I like how you talk about the motivation factor and the fact that he had to watch De'Aaron Fox, Spider Mitchell, and uh, Jason Tatum all get paid out guys that he feels he's on the same level as, even if the numbers don't show it, that's going to be another motivation for him. Between that and the disrespect he's gotten on social media, that's going to be motivation for him to say, hey, you know what? I'll show you. It wasn't enough that I was a component on a championship team. I'm going to show you that I didn't just ride anyone's coattails, that I'm capable of being on the same level. It's going to be difficult, but I think you're going to see him be more assertive, more aggressive at times, and hopefully an improved shooter and ball handler. And we didn't even mention B.I. He is going to get a deal very soon to here, and that's a player that he played with personally sure. that he feels yeah. on the same level with. So once B.I. signs that 163 max deal to 195 you know if he makes all nba and all those other kickers that come with these same exact deals um i know he's going to be very very motivated so i'm interested to see the dynamic of this team but everywhere you look that our team is stacked we've upgraded every position and kept the most important positions all under the tax apron still having four million dollars in minimum salary that we could dish out and having flexibility for 2021 free agency when that's the thing. There. You didn't I offer mean, any of these, but any of these guys long-term deals. Sorry to interrupt, but you didn't offer any of these guys long-term deals. The fact that Rob Palenka was able to do this, and there was a narrative at some point last year that he didn't even know the salary cap project, or the, there was there was something with the salary cap. I forgot what exactly what had happened. Oh no, it was it was about creating space to make space for Kawhi and. There was a narrative that Mark, or I'm sorry, that Rob Palenka didn't know 
the salary cap so that he was going to have to move um, uh, Morris Wagner and uh, Isaac, Isaac Bonga, yeah, those guys. Yeah, and, and, the, and those players to Washington. Mm-hmm. So because of that, there was that narrative. So we've come a long way from then till now to where Rob Palenka is pretty much the executive of the year with the moves he's made and dispelling any notion of uh, his lack of ability to know the ins and outs of the CBA. If he was good enough to be Kobe Bryant's agent for the majority of his career, who was the most meticulous and attention to detail guy that the NBA has probably ever seen, then Rob Plank is good enough to be uh, the president of basketball operations and GM, and he's done a great job so far. And not resting on your laurels. That's the other thing. You, you're not resting on your laurels. You're not saying, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to bring these guys back. I'm going to overpay a lot of these guys. Because, uh, honestly, there's a lot of times there's that debt of gratitude that these execs feel like they owe the players. But at the same point in time, you also got to think, it's like, if you're not willing to take this contract, we have other needs to, to address, then we got to move on. So I think I, that's the one thing I respect about Rob Palenka is that, yeah, it must have been hard to say goodbye to a lot of these guys who helped win you that 17 championship and put the Lakers back on top. But at the same point in time, you're thinking, you know, I always go back to what um, uh, the character, the senator from The Wire, the short con and the long con. The Lakers are in it for the long con. You know, never mind the short con. We just did the short con. Now it's about the long con, which is in this case, trying to be competitive for at least the next five to six years and trying to be in a championship pursuit, especially in this LeBron uh, uh, window, which is only about two, three years max, I'd say. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, there's still that's still up in the air because the trajectory that he's on right now, I'm not willing to bet down. that he has at least, you know, two to three more. And then we'll then we'll start getting into those Kobe years at the end. Where you know he's icing during the game and you know multiple times and can't really play as much and all that. Sure, stuff. Yeah. But for now, I, I think the window's open. But one thing I want to close out the show with and ask you because I know we're you know running out of time. But um, how do you see the landscape of the West and how the Lakers, if it, if they'll be favored in the West and what it'll come down to, and who with teams getting better like mm-hmm. Portland and Phoenix yeah. and guys making moves, yeah. Um, where do you see the landscape in the ways and things shaking out? You have a lot of competitive teams, uh, but I still think the Clippers, and this may not be the most popular take, I still think the Clippers are going to be the number two team in the Western Conference. I think the the Warriors took a step back with, with uh, the Klay Thompson injury, but can I be honest? I never really had them at number two. I thought they were going to be three, anywhere from three to five. I thought they You're were going to be, I, I think that they were going to be right there. I got to challenge you on that. You're crazy, but I'll, I'll let you finish. Sorry. I think the Clippers address some needs. Serge Ibaka cleans up a lot of the issues in the front court that they actually had. Yeah, they they didn't necessarily add the playmaking guard, uh, but not yet anyway. We still don't know what, hap- what, what could happen with Terry Rozier. They could add somebody else. There's the Russell Westbrook rumors. But their bench is still pretty solid. Yeah, they lost, you know, they still got Marcus Morris. I wouldn't have paid him $64 million, but Morris is still going to be good, at least through those first couple years of that contract. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have a full training camp together. You still got Zubac. Uh, they added some good young players. I like their coaching staff. They're going to be two to three. Maybe, if not number two, they're going to be number three. But as long as they're healthy, they're going to be just fine. Portland is going to be good. I'm not going to overreact too much. I still think they could be four, maybe. I want to say number four in the West. Utah is going to probably be number five. Phoenix, I think, elevates now a little bit more. Dallas is going to be solid. Uh, But they didn't make any 
intense strides. So the Lakers are clearly number one. And then you have Denver, Clippers, Portland, Utah, Phoenix, Golden State after that. And then we'll see a toss-up for the 8th seed, New Orleans or Memphis or one of those teams. I'm just so disappointed that you thought that the Warriors weren't going to be you know, I thought I thought the Warriors would be a solid two no. or three. Nothing, nothing below that because they were getting they got James Wiseman now, and before Clay got hurt, or the, actually was on the same day they got James Wiseman um, that Clay was hurt just earlier. Um, but assuming Clay was healthy, you had Steph, Clay, Dre, Wiggins. Wiseman, yeah, Wiggins. I mean uh, Pascal. Uh, I mean that that they had a solid team. So I just I, I believe that they were going to be higher, but I really like the moves that Portland have made uh, thus far. Yeah, I love the flexibility that that they've you know quiet given themselves. Moves. They've been quiet, quiet, but they've been but they've been yeah, effective. Right. They addressed a lot of needs. They brought back Melo. They got Covington, Derek Jones Jr. They brought back Ennis Cantor, who was really good for them two years ago. So I like the moves that they made, and of course they still got uh, one of the most dynamic, potent uh, backcourt in the league in CJ and Dame. And I just love the competent moves that the Phoenix Suns are making. Like every move that they have made makes sense. It's not a you, you know you normally you're looking at the moves that Phoenix is making as like wow those are kind of head scratchers or mm-hmm. what are they thinking there? But right. it's clear and concise uh, the, their trajectory and what they're doing. Rob Sarver, props to him for investing some money back into the team finally with making the renovations to and James the Jones the GM arena. Yeah, and James Jones make pulling the trigger and you know. Uh, talking with Monty Williams, and I, I assure you, Monty Williams and James Jones had to not beg, but really convince Rob Sarver to trade for Chris Paul to be able to set them up on the trajectory that they are now, to be able to sign the players that they have by keeping Dario Saric and you know g- getting a pick back for uh, Kelly Oubre and you know moves like that moving forward. So I'm high on those moves. Um, I think I don't think Memphis is going to make the playoffs. They'll be I in the mix. I just said they'll be in the mix. They'll be in yeah, the mix. They'll, they'll be in the mix. Yeah. I don't feel that the clip I don't feel that the Clippers got better. But here's why. Montrez was so key to what they did off the bench. They have no bench now. Ibaka's not coming off the and bench. And they lost to Michael Green. And they lost to Michael Green. Yeah. So that's Ibaka's not a bench player. He's a starter. So who do you have coming off the bench? Marcus yeah, Morris. you resigned Yeah. Yeah, you Resign Patrick Peterson, but I, Patrick I mean Marcus yeah. Morris, Patrick Patterson. Sorry, um, but wasn't um, Marcus Morris a starter last year? I I don't think he's signing a sixty four million dollar deal and coming off the bench. Well, then then obviously that's going to be up to Ty Lue. So maybe Zubak loses his starting spot and Baca starts at the five, and now you have a little bit more of an undersized but more dynamic. Uh, defensive type lineup with Paul George, Kawhi, Morris, Ibaka, and Beverly. That's those are five pretty good defenders right there individually. So yeah, they lost some key players. I, I like I said, I still think right now they could be considered a two seed only because I don't know how these other teams in the West are going to look. Because yeah, even, even Denver, because even Denver, like they they brought back Paul Millsap, but they lost Jeremy Grant. Yeah, they added Jamichael Green. I you know the, the the health of Will Barton is, I think is going to be and they cut Tory Craig too the health of Will Barton is going to be in, in question now so I mean I'm just saying 
I think just based on continuity, the Clippers are going to be – I'll give them the benefit of the doubt going into the season, but we'll see how things are going to look. And not to mention, I think the Clippers are going to have that chip on their shoulder to prove a lot of people wrong. So, And then we still don't know what they're going to do with the uh, Terry Rozier situation. So that, that could definitely help them as well. Great points. Great, yeah. great points that you make. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting, but right now we all know – the Lakers and I think the Sixers have been the biggest winners of a free agency in the offseason so far, in my opinion. You still got to watch out for James Harden. Looks like Brooklyn has cooled on that. Yeah, and which is a good idea. Philadelphia is obviously, Daryl Morey is still hot on James Harden's tracks. And I haven't heard much about Russell Westbrook. It looks like the market was him was slow moving to start as well and i don't think that uh charlotte is going to reach out and, and grab him with them drafting uh lamello ball uh and signing well hayward yeah and signing gordon it, it, hayward it, it, exactly so. yeah so no it's gonna be look the season's gonna be interesting i'm looking forward to it um yeah i i i definitely think the lakers are the winners so far and we'll see how they how they uh fill out the rest of this roster it's gonna be it's going to be a fun next couple of weeks and then going into training camp and seeing all these personalities come together. It's going to be great. Well, that's going to about do it for on this edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. Thanks again to our special guest, Ben Lyons. You could follow him on all social media pro- platforms. I am Ben Lyons. Sports, entertainment, movies, he does it all. Uh, also doing some social activism as well, so check him out on all of those things. You could definitely download and subscribe to all of our podcasts on all streaming platforms at Showtime Forum, on all social media platforms at Showtime Forum. Chaz, how, how can they follow you, man? You guys know where to follow me. You guys know the drill. On Twitter, at Chaz Pearson, and on Instagram, at Chaz P. I've changed my hat now just to make it a little easier for you guys. So There you go. Uh, you guys know where to follow me. Where can I follow you at, Chris? At Chris underscore Camelo on Twitter. Uh, see Camelo one on Instagram, as well as Facebook, Camelo's Corner by Chris Camelo. And also, too, we just hit the 20,000 follower mark on Twitter. And I just got nothing to do but clap it up again for all you Laker Nation for following us and being with us and, you know, uh, giving us all your input and likes and retweets. It means the world to all of us. So on behalf of Showtime Forum, thank you, Laker Nation. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Can't, can't do it without you. And uh, looking forward for 20 more and getting another championship. So um, thank you guys for following us and supporting us. And, you know, we'll continue to hammer out uh, the content that we do and, and keep giving you Uh, the content that you love about the team that you love, that we love as well. So, again, thanks. Yeah, definitely can't do it without you guys. Also, we got merchandise, uh, cbla.com. That's Can't Beat LA. Our boy, Odell, always coming out with new shirt ideas. And uh, goldenideffects.com. That's uh, that's Javi, and you can see the hat right there. Chaz with the 17 hat with the championship trophy, the Larry O'Brien trophy, Larry O.B., Uh, as the one so we always got great merchandise check us out check us out on our website thank you again and we'll be talking to you all soon be healthy be safe oh and happy thanksgiving to everybody happy thanksgiving y'all be thankful